good, everybody. Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrera. He is Levin Black. What's going on, Levin? Not a whole lot. I'm excited to be back with Joe. Dude, you always say not a whole lot. Joe Staley is sitting here for the second. What do you want from me? Levin, I'll tell you what. I mean, to start a podcast, you talk about energy, and you came in here and said, uh, no. how you doing? He said, I'm pretty good. I'm oh, you should have seen some of the ones I've thrown him off with. I, I sometimes pretty mess with them. I'm like, eh. Brutal. <laughs> That's kind of Human. one of our things. Human right. wet blanket. Levin Black. <laughs> Terrible job in a big spot, Levin. Uh, we remind everybody, please rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. You've heard him already. We've talked about it. A man who may have retired after the 2019 season, but proved he was not done pancaking people because on Sunday uh, night, you quote tweeted me, Joe, after the game, <laughs> when I said that the Niners played poorly and you body slammed me and you destroyed my mentions from that. <laughs> I was, hopefully, hopefully your mentions were turned off before that <laughs> happened or else you're just getting ping, 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 ping. Um, no, it was all in good fun. I just wasn't – I wasn't ready after – I was still in that mindset like I was a player. You win a game, you're not You're not ready to hear slander. And uh, <laughs> I think um, – I will say this. Like, coming from a perspective of a player, I was always under the mindset of it's about winning the game. It it's, might not be the prettiest way to do it. I know now that I'm a fan – and someone that's not in the locker room, it's easier for me to understand why there's a lot of critiques and criticisms when it's not a pretty win and it's not, everything's not 350 yards in the passing game or rushing for 250 and there's no big plays given up. It's just like, if it's not a perfect game, I understand why you can find something to correct and, and, and say it wasn't the best, but from a player's perspective, it's all about winning the game. And if you win the game, you go back and you watch and you correct those mistakes that you made in the film, but you have to be excited. I was always excited if we won seven to six. Our offense played like crap. Uh, we knew that we played like crap and we won the game. I was excited. I was just excited for those games as we were if it was a, you know, we had a game against the Buffalo Bills where we went. 600 yards of offense and um you know scored like 50 points i was just excited for that game as i was for the games that we played like crap but it all just comes down to winning and i think even if you look at the way that the um you know wild card weekend shook out there was one road team that won and it was the san francisco 49ers and i think that's the name of the game when you're in the playoffs it's uh it's advance and move on and they have another opportunity this week against the green bay packers and I think they're going to go into that game and realize that there's so much to improve on from the last week. And that's what's exciting. It's a week by week game. And, um, but they, at the end of the day, it's just all about moving on. The so one I got, I got to thank you for that tweet. I, I got to jump <laughs> in and thank you for that tweet. Cause I got to jump in on some of that fun. Um, and two, uh, who's the wet blanket. I mean, you, you saw the tweet. Come on, that they came a wet blanket. I did hear in the beginning, Rob said that you were the wet blanket, right. which kind of just, I mean, I didn't make a comment, but I, it struck me <laughs> a little bit. Oh, is that, is that real? Is that real? Because <laughs> yeah, maybe see? Rob, after that tweet saying about how they were just, the Niners just played a miserable game. It was absolutely <laughs> terrible. Um, you know, the Niners should just be kissing all the lucky charms that they have to be yeah, able to walk out of Dallas with a win with the way that they absolutely terribly performed. 
Um, you know what it I was? Think, it, I it think was he took socks. his blanket, <laughs> doused it with water, and then put it in the freezer to freeze, yeah. and then took it out and 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 slapped that over everyone. So mm-hmm. uh, I think like you said, know it's that all, Rod- it's all in good fun. I think it was fun just to um, have that back and forth. My point was just you know there's a lot of things they could have improved on in that game. You know, I think that game should have been over early being up 23 to seven. That's an opportunity in the playoffs that you have to close the door. You can't allow um, a team like Dallas, who is an explosive of an offense as there was in the NFL over the regular season, the opportunity to come back in the game. And then, you know, Jimmy's interceptions. And I talked about in the post game show, I mean, I don't think it was a, you know, it's, it's a game where it gives a lot of opportunity for guys like Rob, to say handsome good to looking, say smart well this is this is this is what jimmy always does he lets teams back in the game but i think if you go back to there's a lot of things to be excited about you know especially the way they were able to run the ball this d line for the cowboys was looked at as a huge strength the linebackers micah parsons you know vander esch even though they couldn't spell his last name in the jersey correctly <laughs> <laughs> they're they're solid they're a solid front and they rush for 170 yards Debo Samuel is such a weapon in this offense and Kyle has a complete understanding of knowing exactly how to use them and then I think also like there's the defensive line for the 49ers completely dominated the the Dallas Cowboys offensive line who's a strength and then also really confused Dak and put a ton of pressure on him all day and you know, you go into the stats and all that stuff this still was the Dallas Cowboys offense one of the best offenses in the NFL you, know, you can say they beat up on a lot, a lot of lesser competition, but they still were a very explosive team. And for them to go in in that situation on the road to play the way they did, especially defensively, I thought was a tremendous effort. The defense was incredible. They're the number one reason the Niners won that game for sure. I mean, when they score, the Cowboys score like 31 points a game and you hold them to 17, that's, mm-hmm. that's massive, which is something that I said in our instant reaction show, I was complimenting the team to start the show. Fortunately, nobody saw that. All they saw was my tweet, which. Yeah, so that's another thing about the internet. It's great. You can just <laughs> pick and choose little, little tiny snippets that you just want to focus on and detail mm-hmm. out. And all I saw was two words that said 49ers or, or 49ers miserable. That's what you said. You said 49ers absolutely miserable and I cannot stand it. <laughs> oh my God. Kill me. Uh, oh, I'm loving this for one. Um, Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I got to ask you, I know that you were probably in studio, but give us a glimpse into Joe Staley, the fan, now that you're retired. What do you like, especially at the end of a game when it got as tense as it did? Are you like a yellow, yellow screamer? Or are you kind of like oh. quiet? Are you pissed off? Because like, I, I think Rob and I are different. I think he's much more emotional. I normally sit there and I'm like, <laughs> on the verge of pissed. Like I, I'm just always, I think it's from the like post-traumatic stress of the like 2004 yeah. to 2000. <laughs> every single year, yeah, every yeah. single year. Uh, we haven't won a yeah, Super Bowl. Yeah, so. Everybody's different. So how are you on games like that? I am uh, very emotional still. Um, the last two weeks I've actually done the show. So last week I actually got to do the show at my house. So I just did it here in this setup right here. And I got on again and I was like, we started our show. We say our little opening comments and I'm like, I pit it out again. Cause last week I completely pitted <laughs> out a sweater. Like I, I was pitting out a sweater, um, which should hide and like absorb all the water and perspiration that you have. But mine still was just as heavy. So talk about a wet blanket. My, my armpits are a wet blanket for my body. Um, 
but then this last week I did the same thing. Like I was just like, so into it. It was, um, like you said, I was just thinking I've had so much heartbreak as a player over the years that you're just kind of thinking of worst case scenario. And the game of football is fun, but it's such a game of momentum and you just want to have the momentum in your favor when it comes down to the end game situations. And Dallas had, you know, they had all the momentum right there. And I think, um, two things. I mean, I, I, Kyle uh, wanted to go for it in fourth and one, which I agreed with. Um, you know, I think that was a good play call. I mean, obviously the quarterback sneak, Jimmy is 100% for that. I think it was like, I saw a stat, he was like 25 of 25 when it comes to quarterbacks. Yeah, Romo kept saying it to try and jinx him. No, I know. Um, but, you know, he's got to get set. He's got he's to see if Trent is down in his stance in that motion right there. And then um, what was the other play that was really um, – um, Oh, that fourth and uh, the end of the play blitz by the defense. They caught him in a cover zero blitz um, to really kind of end their momentum there. Uh, I thought that was one of the things that uh, D'Amico Ryans did a great job of is is um, not just the offensive or not just the defensive line taking advantage and putting pressure, but really opportune blitzes that we haven't seen a whole lot from D'Amico this year. And even when they do blitz, that seems like the timing has been off a little bit um, as far as when to show it and when to attack the line of scrimmage, but they were really on it last week and they ran that cover zero at the perfect time. Um, we actually called that blitz uh, Hey diddle diddle three up the middle. Cause uh, there's, <laughs> they, they bring two linebackers and then they bring a safety wrapped around up the middle and there's real no way to block it. You have to have an adjustment that's run on the fly. And if you don't see it and if you don't anticipate it, there's no way you can block it. It just has to get there. And it was a perfect time to call it. So those two things, you know, the offense, you know, not being able to end the ball end the game with the ball in their hands. And then the defense really coming up with a, a good blitz and a good blitz package. But again, they still had a chance to try to win it. Can I ask you about that quarterback sneak? You've been a part of a lot of quarterback sneaks. I can't ever remember seeing the left tackle shift over to the opposite side of the formation before a quarterback sneak do you is there a specific reason why Kyle did that? I mean, I felt like yeah. it was surprising. No, there is. There hundred percent is. And you know, one of the reasons why they're so successful with quarterback sneaks, and you know, you think of it as just a very simple play as hey, offensive line, just wedge block, or Jimmy, just get your foot back and you know, anticipate the snap. And but there's a lot of window dressing that goes into it. And you can see if you watch throughout the year of how Kyle constructs it, it's like they run double or triple cadence. So they'll have, they'll roll through their cadences a couple times. They'll get the defense to just, um, they want them to relax for a half a second. And that's where you get the advantage. So if you can get the defensive line, even if they're gapped out and they know what's coming, if they can lessen their tense in the, the tensity in their body just by a half a second, then you have the advantage. And Jimmy's really good at, it's a silent kind of flip under the, under the butt of Mac where that's the signal and everybody just goes on ball movement and he'll wait to see the defense kind of relax for just a half a second. And that situation, when you bring Trent over in motion, all you're trying to do is you're, you still have to know that there might be some other play. They might not be running a quarterback sneak here. They're bringing a guy over in motion. We might have to think in a, in, in switch our gaps, gaps responsibility um, for a half a second. And so that's all you're trying to do. Um, there's different ways to do it. You can run triple counts, uh, double counts. You can run motions. You can have use check come from 
um, the backfield and, and try to give some kind of deception just so you can get them to relax for one second. So I don't mind the, the play call at all. I mean, the, the, the science and everything behind it is sound, but it's just, um, you know, Jimmy's got to see him get set. And then Trent has got to get over there with a little bit more urgency. Now, you mentioned uh, Jimmy's interception. I want to take this from a different angle that I don't think is ever really asked. You know, Jimmy rebounds pretty well when he when he makes a mistake like that. But how about the other players? You know, you on the offensive line and the receivers, you know, when your quarterback throws an interception like that, how do you guys respond? Does it ever creep in your mind, you know, that that's a killer or, oh, no, we're in trouble now? Or how do you guys rebound? Yeah, I never personally, I never honestly ever thought of that um, as far as like, oh, the interception happened. Now we have to do something different. Like, you know, this game could get out of hand if uh, interception. It honestly, for me, was just like every single play. I'm so, I was so used to training myself to like every single play. And it's cliche, you know, you wipe the play that, that happened. But it really is. A, it's like a, it's a learned skill. And you have to really train your mind to just wipe it next play. And it's regardless if it was an individual block or if I got beat for a sack. If I were to sit there and think about why I got beat by a sack and then, you know, six plays before and focus on that, I would be absolute trash the rest of the game. Um, and then on the flip side, too, I mean, it's a learned skill from a quarterback and you still have to keep the same mentality. You try to learn from it and what fooled you in the coverages uh, in game and see, you know, what was the reason? Was it a bad route by the receiver? Was it a bad pass by the quarterback? Were you fooled in the coverages? Um, was the receiver fooled? Um, was there pressure by the offense? There's a lot of different things that go into an interception. Um, you try to get those answers on the sideline, and then it's flushed immediately. I never um, thought in the moment of an interception being like, all right, now it's on us. You know, We have to do this better. The only time I would think something like that was if the interception was the result of the offensive line. You know, like we didn't pick up a blitz that we should have picked up quarterbacks expecting that to be uh, protected. That's why the rush, right. the throw was hurried. And, you know, that was my thing that I can control. So then that's what we get the answers on the sideline. And then we move on. One of the things I loved in the game is after Dak throws the pick, Debo goes to Kyle and says, oh. Hey, give me the ball. <laughs> And one play later, literally, he hands it to Debo, and Debo has this ridiculous, amazing cutback run for the touchdown. I just love that Debo stepped up in that spot and that Kyle was like, all right, here you go. It was unbelievable. And that's, um, I mean, that's it's a bunch of things, but I think it really speaks highly of Debo's mentality. Um, you know, everybody talks about how physical he is as a runner and, you know, how he's such a weapon with the ball in his hands. And it comes from that mentality. And one of the things I talked about in the post game was like, you hear a lot of talk during the week when the Niners are playing, especially the second half of the year of teams and especially on defense, that they're going to be the more physical team and that they're going to talk themselves into, we have to really take the punch to them. Well, that's not your identity. And as a player for me, when I heard that, I immediately knew that we had the advantage because you're already thinking about what we're doing and when you talk about a player like Debo, Debo's been the most physical player, and he's had that mentality with football since he was probably nine years old. Since he put the shoulder pads on for the first time, he was the most physical guy out there. He understood 
you know, day in, day out, like what it meant to be the most physical player, like have that mentality. And I think it says a lot about what makes him so great. And then I think it says a lot too about Kyle's trust in him right now, you know, to put him in a big moment like that. Cause after a turnover in a game like that in a playoff, Kyle's immediately looking to change momentum in their favor. So he's wanting to get a big play. He's not wanting to just say, okay, we got a big turnover and plus territory. Let's hand the ball off four times and try to just grind this one out. Like he wants to get that big shot in there to try to get the crowd hyped up and the, the team feeds off that in the sideline. So um, for Debo to say, Hey, just get the ball in my hands. I'll take care of the rest. And then for Kyle to say, yep, you're right. You will um, was, was tremendous. Now you were there uh, as a player <laughs> when Debo was a rookie, how quickly after he came in, did you kind of see that physicality? Cause I think it's probably kind of hard in today's NFL to see it in practice because you're not truly, you know, hitting each other. And I think it's harder to show kind of that, that real physical run after the catch. So is it something that it took until games where you saw him doing it opponents or were you able to see that in practice? His rookie year, you could see, um, you could see the mentality and you could see the physicality that he played with and his fearlessness but it was a progression for him. Um, you know, he came in and it was it's kind of similar to I'm not there, but, um, you know, just every player has to go through their own process of what it means to be a professional. And I think Debo struggled early on with finding the right weight, finding the right conditioning level, um, you know, running through practice, getting, you know, getting tired, you know, running through games, understanding hey, you're not the number one read. You're the actual clear out route guy. You have to run that absolutely full speed because for us to be successful in our offense, we need you to do that. And it takes guys time to learn and to also develop like that level of conditioning, to be able to do everything, play in and play out as hard as you can and to never turn that switch off. Um, and I saw that progression from rookie training camp to the end of the season. And he was one of the players um, after the Super Bowl. We were in the locker room, and he was, uh, I was, I was like the last person to leave the locker room because I was kind of knew that it was going to be probably my last time in the NFL. And I was trying to just kind of, I was super emotional. It was just a wild time, but I, I did seek out Debo and I kind of pulled him aside and was just like, you have all the talent, you have the mentality, you have the physicality to completely change the wide receiver position and to be the best receiver in the NFL. And it's up to you to make sure that you do all the things when no one's looking um, in the off season and the practice habits, the way you're eating you know, and the way that you get sleep, like all the little things that go into being a top level athlete, things that he can control. Um, Cause that, there really is nothing standing in his way from, having the year that he had this year. And that's why I'm you know, personally just incredibly proud of, of him for really taking that challenge on. And I think he, that's something that he already knew, you know, it didn't take me telling him that to be like, Oh, well, it's going to be, Oh, that's what I got to do. He already knew all that stuff, but um, to really take that to the next level. And I think he was going to be on his way last year, but he had the foot injury and it, you know, kind of changes things. That's such an interesting conversation. You have you who, probably knew at that point you played your last game in the league and you have Debo just finishing his rookie year. Like, did he, 
get a sense of how hard it was to make the Super Bowl? I mean, God, you went through you went through some years, Joe, where you were light years away from a Super Bowl. But it's different when it's your rookie year and you just come in and, and hey, we made the Super Bowl. Like, did he get how rare of a season that was? Um, you know, I think it's harder. It's it's it definitely for me. And I was always trying to communicate that to a lot of the young guys when I was on the, on the team is how difficult and how special years like we had in 19 are. And also just not even the years, but just the situations like having a coach like Kyle and having a general manager like John who are going to bring in the right guy, like everything in that franchise at that time. And even currently now is, is top notch. Uh, I've been part of many different combinations when it comes to general managers and coaches and coaching staffs. And uh, I've seen it all. And uh, I always, I just knew how exciting that opportunity was. And so yeah, for guys that come in, they don't know any different. It's it's just like, oh, this is what it is. This is this is the NFL now, and they might take it for granted. But I think, regardless of he individually understood that or not, you know, I think everybody learned last year, um, you know, how incredibly year to year and how, how fickle success can be in the NFL. You know, it's one of, that's what makes it so great. There's so much parity every year, and you you have a ton of injuries, and you have guys go down, and you're your opportunity to raise a Lombardi trophy is very, very small. And regardless of how much talent you have. And so, you know, that's, I think it's why everybody this year has a little bit different focus. You know, they understand uh, the opportunity that they have just by being in the playoffs and now they're going to take, take advantage of it. Now you said in the post game that the team has their swagger back. I wanted to yeah. ask you, cause there, that there was, was a some... while ago though. They, they got their <laughs> swag back a while ago. Um, I, I wanted to ask you from the player perspective, because um, there, there are some people out there that don't think swagger, momentum are real things because you can't quantify it. You can't. Yeah. It's really hard to kind of put into words. Um, I was going to try to, I guess, putting you on the spot. Can you try to talk and put it into words of what 100%. that does and how it affects you guys? Yeah, I think, I mean, the swag, the whatever you want to call it, it really is just about playing with confidence. And that is really what it is about. And I remember those years that we had with Harbaugh, you know, in 2011, we came off of Singletary years and we were, we were a bad football team and we didn't know what we had yet. And so we had never really developed any kind of confidence. And as the season went on, we were just like, hey, what we're doing is working. What we're doing this is the formula to win games. And as the season went on, it was just more and more confident. And so we started getting on the field just saying they can't stop us. We can only stop ourselves. Like if we just go out there and do what we're supposed to do and what we've practiced, then we're going to be the better team and we're going to come out victorious. And that's really what like swag or whatever it is. It's just confidence. And it's, I think this early part of the year, they were, every year is different you got to figure out an identity and um, you got to figure out the right formula to put your players in positions to be successful and what personnel groupings on offense work best. And, um, and I think Kyle was even, you know, in a, in a funk as a play caller earlier in the year. And that's kind of when I said that, like I, that they got their swagger back, but they got their, like, they got their identity. They figured out their identity. They figured out what works. And then from that point on, it was like, all right, this is the confidence that we're going to build throughout the year. And now I think you're seeing that. Like, I think the defense goes on the field every single week and says, we're the more physical bunch. We're going to absolutely shut you out in the run game. And we're going to actually smother you in the pass rush. 
and good luck. And I think offensively, it's we are going to absolutely destroy you with personnel schemes, with mismatches, and we're going to have more physical runners that are going to, yeah, you might stop us for two, three yards here and there, but we're going to continually get four, five, six yards and, and just smother you and just try to be like out physical team. And I think they have that confidence now. Um, and they have to take that in a cold weather game against the Packers this week. Yeah. Kyle said it yesterday, actually, they asked him about confidence and he was basically like, we're really freaking confident. Like we've figured it out. And I feel like that is the biggest difference between facing green Bay now. And when they faced him in week three, like Debo oh, had two carries in week three and they were just kind of like end around jet sweep type of things. Like there's so much different about this team now, as opposed to week three, and I, I kind of get why, why Kyle and everybody would be more confident this time around. Yeah, I think you have to have a ton of comfort, a confidence going into this game. I mean, not even with Debo, but, you know, Elijah Mitchell didn't play. Um, they didn't have Jermichael Hasty out there. They didn't have um, – they had – I mean, the lead back for the running or for the running game was Kyle Juszczyk. I mean, he was the guy that got the first couple handoffs as a <laughs> – running back and that's not a position i mean no offense to juice but he's not that guy <laughs> so um you know trey sermon um was the lead back they weren't able to get the running game going and yep. and they also didn't really have it kind of totally figured out they were kind of still at that time i think going back and forth with the possibility of a two quarterback system um you know what's our actual uh the play calling situations that we're going to be in um you know it, the whole season is a is a is a progression, and I think Kyle has done a tremendous job throughout his career is switching things up and finding different mismatches and way to utilize his players as the season has gone on. And I think you know you can look at the flip side of that. Cliff Kingsbury comes into the season every year with a, a very innovative offense, but they don't switch a whole ton as the year goes on, and that comes back to bite them in the butt as seasons go on. And you can kind of look at that consistently throughout his whole entire tenure as a head mm -hmm. coach, I mean, even in college. So I think that's one of the strengths for the Niners. It took him a while to figure it out. And there were some tumultuous times from the fan base calling for Kyle Shanahan's job, which was absolutely ridiculous in my mind. Um, but he, you know, they, they figured it out. And I think offense and defense is they're hitting their stride. They have to be incredibly confident going in. Um and also, you look at the Green Bay Packers, you know, they're going to have Zedarius Smith coming back, um, you know, David Bakhtiari. They're getting uh, Josh Myers back, their center, uh, Jair Alexander. So that's going to be a different team as well for, on their side. Um, but I do think that the Niners uh, match up well. They just have to be able to do it consistently in this game and um, not get behind. It can't be a game like last time where they have to abandon one of them. Um, even though they're able to come back, that's not, that's not where they want to live. Now you mentioned Eli Mitchell. Um, obviously you haven't played with him cause he's a rookie, but you know, he has that speed that the, the team kind of missed. I think when Raheem went down, mm -hmm. I wanted to get your, your thoughts on how important is that speed specifically to this Kyle outside zone run scheme? It's really important. It is not the, number one thing I don't think in the outside zone scheme um it definitely helps um and the reason why the speed's so important is because the way that he constructs a lot of his um plays in the running game it's all about getting that horizontal movement from the second level you know you want these linebackers to have to run one or two extra steps than what they typically would because a lot of the play action stuff comes off of that 
Um, you know, if you get a guy that's running sideline to sideline a little bit faster than he's used to, then you run a play action off that. He's one or two steps out of position in these drop zones. And that's where Kyle really takes advantage. Um, the number one thing, though, is the vision and, and being able to consistently finish your plays. And I think that's what Elijah Mitchell does such a great job of is he has a real good understanding, you know, working with Bobby Turner, who's been in this scheme forever. He's the running backs coach for the Niners. He coaches them up that whole room unbelievably well because they know exactly the courses they're supposed to take. They know exactly the blocking schemes of the offensive line up front and how they're setting everything up and how that's all pieced together. Like if a running back cuts one cuts back one step too quickly, that totally screws the backside because an offensive lineman is expecting that linebacker to be at a certain position because of the running back. So now I can take my angle and get on him at that position. If the running back cuts back too quick, now the offensive lineman's overrunning that backside linebacker. So Elijah does a great job of setting everything up. And then once he sees the hole, he hits it and he finishes every single play forward. And he's very physical at that point. Um, I think actually the piece that they've been missing with Raheem has been filled by Debo. Because I think the thing that always made Raheem special was not necessarily the speed that he had, the straight line speed. Now he's very fast, but it was his fearless speed. I always called it like he would hit the hole and he would see the hole and he'd have a different level that he'd go to with as far as speed when he got through that hole. So that would mess up everybody's uh, angles as a defender. And I think that's what Debo does a tremendous job. He's very fearless when he finally sees the hole and he hits it. It messes up the defensive tackling angles. And then that's where they can take advantage. Trent Williams said something uh, after the Rams game that I thought was really interesting. He basically said he knew if he went out there, he wasn't right. He knew that 50% of him was not going to be better than 100% of somebody else. And I think of that this week now when I hear that Jimmy Garoppolo has now the shoulder injury that he said is going to affect him on every throw. I can't even imagine being in Jimmy's spot because the, the culture is like, if you breathe, you're playing. And yet he's got all these injuries. Like, I feel like at some point he's going to have to start throwing left-handed. It's got to be a struggle for him, you know, figuring out how he's going to throw the ball and how he's going to be effective out there, knowing that he is such a crucial part of the game plan. Yeah, I think um, the injury is definitely something to watch this week. You know, already with the thumb, but now the throwing shoulder. Um, it's also to the extent of what that is, because, you know, I could say that my fingers jammed and it's going to affect my blocking as an offensive lineman. But, you know, really, my, how much is it? You know, it's going to affect it because it's a, a jammed finger. But is it actually broken? Is it actually affecting me for my job? So it's like, and only Jimmy knows that, you know, and he's not going to let anybody know you know, how much it actually is affecting him. I think one of the things is Jimmy's a tremendous competitor. I think guys really respect that about him. And they know that if he's out there, he's making no excuses of anything. Like I can guarantee you, regardless of what you hear in the media, if you think it's media talk or whatever, he's not telling anybody in the huddle. He's not telling anybody in the practice field this week is, oh, my shoulders, my shoulders killing. That's why I'm, you know, that's why I you know, didn't, didn't throw it right there. I don't want to mess it up. So He's going to be, if he's on the field, he's going to be out there. He's going to give it everything he has. And, um, you know, I would expect him to play just as, um, you know, efficient as he played against the Rams. You know, you talk about the Rams game. Um, 
I know he threw the two interceptions in that game, but he was also incredibly efficient, especially in the second half of bringing him back in. So he's uh, he's not going to let whatever he's dealing with, whatever ailments he has, I don't think he's going to be letting that affect him at all, um, especially in a big game like this. Now, pretty much everybody at this point in the nation knows about the McVay-Shanahan-LaFleur connection. I'm curious, did Kyle ever use that as like a motivational thing, like, I want to beat these guys, you know, these guys, this is a friend of mine or anything like that, or was it just kind of understood and Kyle treats it as a regular game? No. Yeah. He never presented it as like a personal battle. Like, Hey, I want to win, win this one for me guys, because I really <laughs> you know, want to stick it to my old assistants. They have a tremendous amount of respect for each other. I know, I do know that just knowing Kyle, um, you know, the time that they spent together on those staffs, um, but I do think there's a healthy competitive environment between all three of them. You know, they all kind of are similar styles, similar coaches all got their head coaching starts at the kind of the same, same time. And they're always going to be kind of compared against each other. And I think um, that's just a competitive nature. And Kyle, he wants to try to one up the guys that he he's gone against. And I think he's, he's doing that against McVeigh. And, uh, you know, Lafleur has had uh, some success the last couple of times they've matched up together. So, you know, what, what, what better spot to get the upper hand back in your favor than the playoffs? All right. I got to ask a question that I should have asked earlier, but I didn't think of it until now. Levin and I have been arguing because I think that fans and superstitions matter. Like, I don't wear any Niners gear except Niners socks <laughs> during the games because – when I started doing that, they started winning and I've been sticking with it. And then I throw the Jersey on after the game. Levin says it doesn't matter. It's all bogus. He doesn't want to put any effort into trying to help the team win. So I put it to you, Joe, are you superstitious guy or are you just doesn't matter guy? I was incredibly superstitious when I played. Um, and since then I am not superstitious at all. I have absolutely no game day traditions. Um, I just give all enthusiasm to the television screen. I yell when they do great. I yell when they do bad. I'm very into the game in the moment, but no, I have no superstitions on game day. But as a player, a thousand percent, I had the same See? game day meal that I had um, every single every single week. I had the same game day prep, game day uh, pregame warm up. Uh, I had to wear a certain wristband only on my left arm. Um, so I had a bunch of uh, game day playing superstitions, but none as a fan. Yeah, see, Rob, you don't play football. You didn't even go to a school that has a football team. So did I hear though go. that you you said you wear 49er socks? It's yes. The only thing he will wear. He won't wear a jersey or anything during the game because he thinks it makes uh, them lose. I'm gonna send you a pair. I'm gonna send send me your address <laughs> off 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 this. I'm gonna send you a pair. I gotta yes. I gotta. I was gifted a pair of socks. I have a whole bunch of them. There's just my face, my <laughs> mug. And I would love nothing more after our Twitter battle than to put my face on your feet. I don't know. Oh, that, that came out so weird. <laughs> oh, okay, Rex Ryan. You know we're yeah. recording this, right? That was Yeah, that was a very Rex Ryan uh, quote right there. <laughs> Anyways, I have Joe Staley's socks with my head on them. And um, yeah. And then you wear socks on your feet. So I guess, yeah, there you Anyways. go. All right, Joe. So I got, I got one last question for you that um, 
you know, you, you said last time we talked to you last week, you're still close friends with Alex. Obviously, every single time the 49ers play the Packers, the Alex Rogers dynamic is always brought up. Uh, you know, I think 49ers side is so heard, sick of that storyline. Yeah. I've never heard it. Yeah. What is the storyline? I'm just curious from Alex's perspective, because it's always the Rogers to 49ers perspective. Has he ever wondered what it would have been like to be able to go and sit behind Favre and learn instead of being thrown like he was six different oh, coordinators sure. for six years? Has he ever talked about that or anything like that? Wondered what we, it would have been like? We never had specific conversation about that, but I'm sure just knowing him, um, I think he's been very open and honest about how crappy the situation that he was thrown <laughs> into here with the Niners was, you know, different right. coordinators every single year. Um, no real consistency as far as development, no talent around him. Um, you couldn't think of a worse situation to be brought into as a uh, franchise quarterback. So I think for sure, I think he would have loved to have that opportunity in that situation. Um, but no, he never brought it up to me specifically about that. Um, but I can probably answer that question with some sense of certainty that he would have enjoyed to sit and he's been very vocal about the benefits even this year you know he's been talking about uh, Trey and um, the situation with him sitting behind Jimmy and he thinks it's all positive like it's all going to be great for his development because he knows on the flip side how his situation um, really hindered his early career development well let me throw this out there then uh, maybe you can set up getting Alex on our podcast so we can ask him directly uh Boy, don't be that. We probably do that. We probably come do on, that. Hey, yeah, hey, do. hey, come on now. We will see. We'll see what we can do. I am a conduit to everybody. So if you want to have <laughs> yeah. anybody on the show, I am the guy. <laughs> Last one for me, Joe. It's supposed to be cold as hell in Lambeau on Saturday. And I think back to the game that you played against the Packers in the playoffs in Lambeau. I, if I remember correctly, you went sleeveless for that game. Am I barely, right about that? Uh, barely sleeveless. I had rubber elbow sleeves on. I had on the bottom of my forearm, I had like these hand or like these sleeve warmer things. And then I had a little sliver of skin right here um, that I went sleeveless with. Yeah. But Is you're that... actually as a player, as a player, the cold doesn't really affect you. It's the it's like the elements, like the wind and the rain or like a snow that affects you, but the cold doesn't because there's so many heaters on the sideline. Mm. Um, it actually is like when you have a switch of a quarter or a long TV timeout, that's when you're, when you're not really moving around or doing anything, then you're like, Oh crap, it's kind of cold out here. But, um, during the game, it's, it's, it shouldn't be, I don't remember it being like a huge thing. Uh, when we played in the playoff game, it wasn't like I was really affected by how cold it was. All right. There you go. Well, thank you, Joe. We appreciate the yeah. time again. Uh, I guess I'm going to get some socks, which I'm not going to lie. Pretty freaking excited about. Yeah, it's going to be great. Just for the record. I can't promise the... you if they've been worn or not. <laughs> that is the closest. They're not Mike Fresh. I don't think face. so. If you want some used socks, maybe just to have <laughs> some game worn Joe Staley socks. <laughs> that is man. I put my face on your feet. <laughs> Thank you for that. I'm going to make them show next time we do like an instant reacts. I'm going to make them show those socks on camera. Well, there you go. Perfect. I will. How dare you doubt me? You, <laughs> how dare you? I look forward to your here, tweets Rob. after they win. I look forward to your tweets after they win this weekend. Ah, there you go. I trust me. I'll be plenty. Fired Turn your notifications off. Cause I'm not going to be as nice this time. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Thanks for the time, Joe.
Yep. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I can't believe you, dude. I got, I need to take a shower. We're sitting there. We're having a nice conversation with Joe Staley. He comes on the show two straight weeks and here you are. Hey, can you get Alex Smith for us? Like what a jerk doing your job for you. <laughs> All right. Had uh, you asked him yet? No, I wasn't going to oh, be that guy. Gee. Why not? He's close friends with Alex. And I want to ask Alex one personal question. If he remembers my encounter with him on that Super Bowl night, I've told that story on our podcast. You think he remembers? I don't know. I I doubt it, but it is kind of unique because it's two in the morning. He had his little kid with him tonight before the Super Bowl. I'm curious if he remembers like, oh, you're that guy that was like, I was thinking, get the hell away from me and my kid. What a you are such a selfish interviewer. You get the chance to talk to Alex Smith and you want to ask him if he remembers the five minute interaction he had with you. I want to know what was going through his head because, like I said, when I I blurted out something because I was a little inebriated, you know, and (laughs) holy crap, uh, different words were used, but holy crap, it's Alex Smith. And I saw what I think was like, oh my god, this guy's gonna ruin it for me. I, you know, he went out two in the morning in French Quarter, he doesn't go out two in the morning, French Quarter except for he wants to show his kid around without everybody coming up to him. You know, if he goes out there in the day in the French quarter, there's people freaking everywhere. He's going to yeah, be mobbed. And you ruined it. And I ruined it. And I want to know if he remembers me ruining I think it. You, if anything, you should apologize to him is what you should do if I, you ever get the chance to speak with him. I mean, that's what my plan was. If you remember, sorry. I mean, kind of once in a lifetime opportunity. But Jeez, you, you know, you're just so slimy. That is just the worst. All right, we didn't get to this with Joe. Uh, but we should do it. Predictions for the game. I, I can't believe I'm going to do it, uh, but I think I'm actually going to pick against the 49ers in this one, believe it or not. Uh, I think the 49ers can win for sure. They have to put together four consistent quarters of football, which is something they have not done this entire season. Can they do it? Yes, 100%. They absolutely can. Will they? I don't know. So I think I'm going Packers like 30 to 24, something like that. Yeah, I mean, this is one you can't really be wrong picking either team. I just don't feel like sitting during the game going, well, hey, at least I picked the Packers to win if the Packers are winning. So I'm going to pick the Niners for only that reason. I don't I hate having that little thing in the back of my mind going, at least I was right on the podcast. You know what I mean? So I'm going to pick the Niners. I think there's two things they have to do to win. They got to be able to run the ball and they got to be able to dominate on the defensive line like they did against Dallas. If they yes. can get – I mean, we saw the formula. When they played in week three, Aaron Rodgers did not hold the ball. It was no. super quick. He was getting it out. Now, part of that was is uh, the cornerbacks that were playing at the time were giving massive cushions and never adjusted from that. Um, so we'll see if they do that again and see if that's Green Bay's plan once again is to get the ball out of his hands so the defensive line can't really have an effect. But the defensive line, I think, is a big part of it. They, The Packers can't run the ball. They cannot let Aaron Jones get going, A.J. Dillon. And they got to get to Alex – or not Alex. They got to get to Aaron <laughs> Rodgers at least a few times, I think. Um, but I think they can do that. I don't, I don't think Green Bay is as good as they seem. You know what I mean? It, a lot of it is the Aaron Rodgers. You know, when it's a close game, all they win. You know, it, it's a lot like what Peyton Manning and Tom Brady – always did you know if it's a close game they're going to win because they have the quarterback that's always going to give them some you know miraculous last second win like we saw in week three but i'll pick the 49ers 
I'll go uh, 27, 24. I do think it's going to be a game that it's not going to be over. Yeah. I mean, look, that's been typically what we've seen from the 49ers. So we'll have to see regardless, whatever happens, win, lose or draw after the game, you can join us on the Niners nation, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter pages for the instant reaction podcast. And we hope, 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 hope that you do. Thanks everybody for listening. Go 49ers this weekend, rate review and follow the Niners nation podcast network. And let's just hope we're talking next week about a trip to the NFC championship game.